Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the app store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Thank you. Uh, we're starting this new series, uh, which Dylan, Pastor Dylan was talking about. Uh, it'll be a series that'll take us from now until Pentecost Sunday. But we're looking at these moments in life when Jesus reveals himself again to his followers and to his disciples, to the people who knew him. Because you have to remember that he died as far as they were concerned. We know the resurrection has happened. They're not quite sure what's going on, but he is beginning to reveal himself to them. I want you to know also, I'm not doing this in any chronological order. We have a lot of special Sundays coming up, so I'm trying to tie the various Sundays in with the various uh, times that he showed up as well. So I want to remind some of you that we're having baby dedication coming up on Mother's Day, so if you want to be a part of that, make sure you get signed up. We're having the kids play that's coming up. We're going to be having, uh, taking, uh, we're going to be baptized maybe 10 to 15 people this year. We're going to be um, taking in new members, and we're also uh, going to be having a graduation Sunday. So in the next month, we just have a lot going on here at the church, and so I want to make sure that these messages tie in together. Today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, which most of you will know as the Emmaus encounter. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had those moments where they're just like, oh, That's what you were trying to teach me. And these are moments when God has just revealed himself to me. And for some of us, revealing moments are great for others. It's it's just a big wake-up call and a realization that we need to fix things. But I love when there's just those moments where we're like, oh, that's what God meant. And I really love that in life. I love it when I get around my kids and they sort of have these moments and we're in when they're either in sports or music, and it's just like it it clicks for them and, and they get it. I like those moments where they, where they understand, oh, that's what mom and dad were trying to teach me. And I'm sure that my parents probably had those moments too, and, and I'm sure it came a lot later, but they were kind of in those moments like, oh, Chuck finally gets it. You know, he's finally growing up, you know. I remember one of those moments, and it was, it was early on, it was at Christmas, and we had gotten all of our gifts, and we had opened them. And I went over to my parents' bedroom, and I think it was sometime in, in middle school, and I just went into my parents, and I said, hey, mom, dad, I said, I just want to thank you for a great Christmas. And they were just like, you could see it on their face. They're like, that's the first time that's ever happened. You know? And so it was just like an aha moment. Like, they realized that their son finally gets it. So I love watching the, um, how many of you guys like watching magicians and stuff? You know, I kind of like those stuff, illusionists. We're actually working on a Christian illusionist that may come in uh, this fall sometime. So we're working on that. I think it's going to be exceptional. But I love the illusionist because I'm, I, I love like, just trying to figure out what's going on and just being in awe by the magic and stuff that they do. But I also love the shows, because I'm intrigued by them, where you begin to have things revealed. And so all of a sudden you have these moments where you see the magician doing his work and there's either a sleight of hand or there's a fake wall or there's a mirror or something that pulls us into the illusion so that we fall for the trick that magician is trying to put in place. And so when I have those moments of, oh, wow, that's how they did that. And I have those moments personally where something has been revealed to me and I realized why I did what I did, why I responded the way I responded, 
how Christ has invested in me. And all of a sudden, there is just sort of this revelation that, that comes to me. This year, I've been part of a leadership group in our district, and they made us take a test. And it's one of these professional tests, and it tells you a little bit about yourself, how you act and respond the way that you do. And, and there was one of those moments where it was just revealed to me. And, and one of those things I realized is, whenever somebody pressures me, and I know a bunch of you are going to do this after me, okay? But um, whenever somebody pressures me into making a decision right now, I have a tough time with it. It just stresses me out. And what I found is about myself is, I can have a meeting, I can be involved in a situation, but if I could just take a moment to just step away for an hour, half hour, whatever it is, and then sort of process everything, then I come to the table a lot better with my response. But if someone forces me to make a decision right then, it just gets mumble jumbled, I feel off and all that. And so that was revealed to me, and then it started making sense why I do certain things that I do. So if I'm in a meeting in my office and I'm not really sure what to do, oftentimes I'll leave for like a half hour, an hour, and I'll just drive in my car, and I didn't know why I did that, and I just realized I just need space. When I'm around people for long lengths of time, I realize that sometimes I just need a moment just to rest. Even when I get done with the service today, a lot of times after everyone's gone, I'll be in my office for like 15 minutes just to decompress before I go home and, and, and deal with what we have going on there. And so I've realized about that. So that was a revelation to me. And maybe you have those moments when things are revealed to you, but the disciples and the followers of Jesus, you have to remember where they're at in this point. They had just seen Jesus die. This was a leader they thought was going to do things a totally different way. Now he's dead. And all of a sudden, the women go to see him. They can't find his body. They're trying to figure all that out. They're trying to wrestle with all those decisions. And they can't figure anything out. And then Jesus shows up and begins to reveal himself to the disciples and to the followers. So let's read together today from Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. It says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed the things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, why are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and their faces downcast. One of the name, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that he had been seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village, 
to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray together. Father, man, what an amazing story. And what a way to show up to a couple of men who were discussing the things of you. Father, you showed up. And it made such a difference in their life that they responded very quickly to what they understood and they began to share as well. I pray today that we would leave understanding and being willing to share. Father, today, if there's anything that I don't get right, if there's anything I mess up according to the text, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only thing that they would hear is you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I was doing a lot of reading and a lot of searching on all these passages. And I have to tell you, this was a, a tougher week for me. You just get done with this big high and, and you're trying to figure out, you know, where do you go from there? I, I, Good Friday to me um, was just a moment. I just felt the presence of God in such a real and personal way as we began to sing and as everyone stood up on the King of Kings song. Man, it was just like we were in heaven right there, giving praise to God. And it was just such a touching moment for me. But you go through all those experiences, all these highs, and then you come to this moment where you're like, okay, what's next? Where do we go from here? And I struggled to begin to think about where do we go in the passage? Where do we go in the text? And as I began to pray and began to read and began to listen to other sermons, I like how this, this, uh, this individual by the name of Skip, um, and I can't say his last name, but he's a pastor in New Mexico. He basically broke down this story this way. And I want to give it to you because I think it's something great to keep in mind for any challenges and things we face in life. Listen to this. A sorrowful walk led to a scriptural talk that ended with a satisfied flock. Let me say that for you again. A sorrowful walk led to a scriptural talk that ended with a satisfied flock. Man, I think that is such a great, powerful model right there. So when we are going through some things that are deep and sorrowful and hurtful, what if you and I began to turn to Scripture for a little bit of understanding, a little bit of guidance, a little bit of inspiration, and then how would that satisfy us as a people? I found that that method in my own life is very convincing. Now, sometimes it's a slower method than other times because sometimes I need to sit in that sorrow for just a little bit. Sometimes I need to sit in that Scripture for a little bit. Sometimes I need to have others speak into me as well until I become satisfied with the response that I'm getting. So let's go over this. So verses 13 through 24, I want to say that they basically deal with the idea of a sorrowful walk. You have to remember, these men had been around Jesus. They had high expectations for what Jesus was going to do. 
And then they saw him beaten. They saw the way he was treated by society. They saw people spitting on him, mocking him, and making fun of other believers. The believers were so afraid of what was going on that they too were beginning to deny that they even knew Christ because they didn't even want to be associated with him. Remember, these are people that left everything they had to follow him, and now they didn't even want to acknowledge that they knew Jesus. And not only were they dealing with the death of Jesus and all that he went through and being scared in their own lives, in their own areas, but they also had to deal with the idea of one of their people, one of the ones that they were closest to, sold Jesus out. Judah sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And then Judas killed himself. And there was all those emotions that they had to go through as well. They recognized that his, that his death had occurred. But now there was a group of ladies who come back and saying, well, Jesus is alive and he's no longer in the tomb. And so a lot of the disciples run down there to check what's going on. And they never see Jesus there as well. And they're trying to figure out what all this means. Like, what was the reason for his death? Did he really come back to life? What do we do with all these emotions that we are experiencing? And in verse 15, we read this. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now, if we look at that word discussed, it basically means this. They were trying to make sense of what had happened. What do we do with this? We thought Jesus was going to be this. He was the prophet. He was the one who did miracles. Surely there was no way that he was ever going to die on a cross. And they were trying to make sense of what was going on. There are times in my life when I've tried to make sense of what's going on. And I'm sure there are times in your life when you've tried to make sense of what's going on. Maybe like you, you went through this Easter season and maybe it was just this unbelievable time of worship. Maybe in that moment, like me on Friday night, man, I just felt so close to God. And I'm trying to make sense of it. Why don't I feel this way every day when I'm in his presence? And for me as a pastor, I try to figure out, like, what made this so good? Like, why did Christ show up in a way that he's never shown up before? Like, why was that so meaningful? Why did God take a man like Stan who stood up here last week and take his story and it resonated with so many of us? Like, how do I make sense of that? And maybe for some of you, Easter wasn't as joyous. Maybe it was a time where you got together with your family and you have those moments where you're sharing with one another and you sort of begin to argue politics or something else and you begin to wonder, why is our family like this? Why can't we just get together and be happy and celebrate with one another and just enjoy each other's company. Maybe you're trying to make sense of that. Maybe you're at a family meal and you're having a conversation and somebody says something about you that it, it, it almost felt like it had a little bit of sting in it, but you're not really sure and you're trying to make sense of what they said. Maybe you had a conversation with your wife and she alluded to something and you're trying to make sense of it. Just stop right there. You're never going to make sense of that, okay? So just, you know. But maybe you're trying to make sense of those things that have been said. Maybe a boss came up to you. And they said something about your work. And you're trying to figure out why they're getting on you today. And you're trying to make sense of it. 
And maybe some of those deeper things. Maybe it's those things where you're thinking, hey, my kid has a disease that they shouldn't have at this age in life. And you're trying to figure out why. And you're trying to make sense of it. For some of you, Easter and this time of year is not great because you've lost someone. And you're trying to make sense of that during the season and time. Like, God, how, how, how can I make sense of what I'm experiencing in this moment? And here's what I love. Because in the midst of their discussion, Jesus shows up. And he begins to walk with them. And he begins to move the conversation forward. And so in verse 17, this is what we read. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And then it says, they just kind of stood still like, whoa, you don't know what's going on? And their face, it says, they, they got really downcast for a moment. Like, they got very sad. And so they stopped for a moment and was like, are you kidding me? You don't understand what we've been talking about? And Jesus stood there with them. And one of the issues for them was this, is that they really just focused on their loss instead of focusing upon any gain. So in verses 20 through, uh, uh, through the rest here, if you, if you read these passages, they said um, the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had, listen to this, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So where they knew that Jesus was the Messiah at one time, all of a sudden that becomes a past tense thing. We had hoped that he was the one that we'd have been looking for. But now that he has died, our hope is gone. And so in this moment, as they're focusing on the loss of Jesus, the death of Jesus, their hope and belief were gone in that very moment. And I think like you and I, we come to some pretty sorrowful places. And when we're going through some intense, tough stuff, our response is usually to give up. That's it. It's finished. And I love this because Jesus is trying to move the conversation forward and trying to get them to focus on things that aren't so negative and, and to not worry about all the sorrow. Like he lets them sit in that for a minute, but he says, let's move this thing forward. And so in verse 16, we read this, because this is what I think is interesting. It says that Jesus was with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And if you look at that word recognizing in the Greek, it means this. It means they didn't know him. And it means that they didn't know him well. And so even though Jesus was standing right there before them, they had no idea it was him. And that's crazy to me. Because you would think that they would know who Jesus was. But remember, they were so focused on loss. They were so focused on his death. But in their minds, Jesus could not conquer death. This is the one thing he could not overcome. So they weren't even looking for Jesus to appear. And again, I think that you and I get in those moments when we're going through some pretty tough things that you and I can't even see past our loss to see where Jesus is showing up and working. And so we go on. Verse 19 says this, as they began to talk, 
Jesus says, what things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And then they said this. Watch how the tone changed. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Now, they're still recognizing him in the past tense, which means they don't believe he's alive. And what they're saying is we have no hope. Even though the women told us that the tombs were empty, even though there was two of them that were two witnesses, and by the way, Luke always makes sure that you you present with two witnesses because that's what you needed in a court of law in their instance. So there are two men as well experiencing what they're experiencing so that one can say this is in fact true. And so in that moment that they're there with Jesus, they acknowledge he was a powerful prophet. And not only because of the words that he spoke, but because of the things that he did. Man, I've been around a lot of people that are very good at Christian talk. But they're not very good at being a Christian. It says they spoke about Jesus, but they didn't know him. Isn't that amazing? These are people that had walked with Jesus, but they didn't thoroughly know him. Church, one of the things I worry about is this. I worry that you and I come into services each and every week, and we hear the word of God, but we don't really know him. I think you and I come to an Easter service, and we experience all that great feeling, all those goosebumps on a good Friday and an Easter. But do you know him? Some of you will say, well, I go to church every time the doors are open. But do you know them? You might listen to Christian songs in your car, and you may even try to sing with them. Some of you are off-key, some of you do pretty well. But at the end of the day, do you know them? You read your Bible every day, and you memorize his word. But do you know them? If Jesus showed up today, Would you know? So as Jesus is getting them to move through this process of where they acknowledge that he was powerful, but things happened differently than what they expected, Jesus then moved them to a scriptural talk. And so verses 25 through 27 say this, he said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and all the scripture concerning himself. So in this scriptural talk, what Jesus begins to do is he begins to remind them of how the Messiah shows up in the Old Testament. He begins to reveal some things. He takes them all the way into Genesis and says, hey, remember, as soon as sin entered the world, he told the serpent that in fact, someone would come that would crush your head. He begins to take them to the prophets, and he begins to show them how, like in Isaiah, it says that that he would be bruised, and he would be tortured, and and, and, and and he would be cut open, and he began to display all those things, that he would be pierced for our transgressions, and they showed those things over and over, and Jesus tells them, look at all this stuff in the Old Testament. He says, look at this stuff here in the Psalms, when they acknowledge that a Savior will come, and here's how he's going to show up. And remember the promises to David and to Abraham. Remember in the lineage, this is how it's going to show up. 
And so he shows in the Old Testament, and even though they're living in the New Testament, Jesus began to show how those things were fulfilled. Look, here's how Jesus shows up in the genealogy. Look, here's what happens in Jesus' life. Hey, look, he's the one who came riding on the donkey, and they began to praise him. Hey, he's the one who is being bruised. He is the one who's being beaten. He is the one who's being put on a cross. All these things happen just as the scripture said. Did you guys miss it? And I think that's what we have to be concerned about. People, listen, do we miss it when we read the scriptures? Do you read it just to get your time in? Do you read it just to put a check mark down? Or does it impact you in such a way that you leave from the scripture saying, I get it. That's where I need to change. And Jesus begins to unload all this stuff on them. See, there are seasons when you and I need to turn to the scripture and remind ourselves that even in the worst of times, God shows up and makes something beautiful out of our painful stories. Just like Stan. He shared his story. And if you and I went around and shared our stories, we would hear stories of great pain. And we would hear ways that Jesus showed up and made a difference. But there's something important that when you and I are going through life, that we need to turn to the scripture, that we need to have others come alongside of us that speak those words of truth into our life. What happened as a result when we get into verses 28 and 35, that we begin to have this satisfied flock. These people that have been following Jesus, he was their shepherd. They were following him to the ends of the earth. What's interesting to me in verses 28 and 29, that the men wanted to keep hearing the truth that Jesus was talking about, even though they didn't know him yet. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. Listen, this is very customary by this tradition. Like if you're walking with somebody and, and you've kept them along the road, like you're eventually going to stop. You're eventually going to have to take care of them, feed them. And, and, but there was something real in what they were asking. Because there was a truth that was being identified that they wanted to continue in. And you and I need to sit in truth. You and I need to read the scriptures. We need to process what's being said. We need to go into others. I love the verse that says, iron sharpens iron. Because I have to tell you, every Bible study I go into, every time I have a talk with others that involves scripture, I learn something new. And you can say, well, that, that can't be true because there's a lot of junk out there too. You bet. But it helps me realize how people process scripture. Because a lot of us process according to what we're going through in life. And so we use a lot of our own circumstances, our own situations. And so we need to sit in that truth to know what God is saying. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We need others to come alongside of us, open up the word, and say, oh, there's a passage of scripture over here that I think ties in. And that's why I love the idea of iron sharpening iron. That's why I love discipleship groups. Because somebody has taken a verse and I'll be like, didn't think about that. Man, that's powerful. And that even happened to me the other day in a Bible study where, as a matter of fact, it was so good that our summon series is going to be based on something that happened in discussion yesterday. So I'm pretty excited about that. Because iron sharpens iron. You and I need to sit in truth. You need to know that you're not a failure. 
You need to know that you're not an orphan. You need to know that you haven't been abandoned. And you need someone to speak truth into your life and say to you, even though you're going through this, Jesus is showing up. And here's where he's helping us. In verses 30 through 32, then, this is the great part. Because finally Jesus was revealed. It says, when he was at the table with them, I love this imagery. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Does it sound like another story you've heard before? What's interesting is the men invited Jesus to stay, which means that they were the host. But in this moment at the table, Jesus took the place of host, just like he did in the upper room. He took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. And it says in that moment, their eyes were opened. They recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, they wanted to sit in that truth because that truth was powerful and that truth was good. And they were in the presence of Jesus and didn't know it until we did something that changed them. I love those moments in time. When I'm struggling, when I'm going through something, the scripture opens itself up to me. And then I see Jesus at work. I love those moments when I get to sit with people and their sorrow and their pain. They're going through the death of someone or they're going through a disease and then all of a sudden, Something clicks for them. They remember a passage of scripture and they connect it with Jesus and they continue in their faith journey and then they get it. And I know some of you today are probably sitting in some of those moments where there's, again, there's moments that you're very sorrowful about and don't know how to get through it. Man, stay true to his word and watch as Jesus shows up because Jesus is in the midst of everything you're going through. And he's going to reveal work to you. It's going to be a work that's probably bigger or greater than you ever knew. That's what happened to the disciples. They didn't think that he would conquer death, even though he said it. They didn't think it. And then Jesus shows up. Their minds explode with this. (laughs) I mean, weren't our hearts burning in that moment? And then I love the response. Because their response after getting it, after Jesus was revealed, it says they told others with joy what they had witnessed. Isn't that amazing? They sat there in this sorrow. Then they had this scriptural talk that led to joy. That led to satisfaction. And then they couldn't wait to tell others about it. It says, verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is what I love. They came to the place where they knew about Jesus to knowing him. And church, my question to us is this. Do you know him? 
Because if you truly know him, then that should change you. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm saying, I just don't want to know about you, but I'm going to model my life after you. And I know some of us will struggle with that because we're like, man, we can never be like Jesus. And I get that. But we're going to learn how to process things, how to look at things differently, how to make an impact in our world. And then with joy, we're going to tell others what we've learned. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.